Hi, everyone. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to take a moment to address the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion. Abortion is a basic healthcare need for the millions of people who become pregnant. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, access to safe medical abortions shouldn't be determined by location, and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. You can help by donating to local abortion funds. To find out where to donate for each state, visit donationsforabortions.com. That's the number four. If you or someone you know needs help, or if you want to get more involved, here are five resources. One, Shout Your Abortion is a campaign to normalize abortion. Two, Don't Ban Equality is a campaign for companies to stand against abortion restrictions. Three, Abortion.cafe has information about where to find clinics. Four, PlanCPills.org provides early at-home abortion pills that you can keep in your medicine cabinet. And five, Choice.crd.co has a collection of these resources and more. I encourage you to speak up. Take care and spread the word. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Reality Is. As always, it's Noor. I hope you guys are well. Um, I'm excited because I'm recapping um, a very fun Sunday of shows on Bravo, I have to say. Um, we're going to talk about Rehouses of Atlanta and Married to Medicine coming back. And I've always said this, like, Married to Medicine is some of Bravo's best. It's just a super interesting cast. You know, what I love about Married to Medicine is that everybody has day jobs. <laughs> so, so it's like, you know, they have a lot more writing on the line um, than to completely go bananas. I mean, it's funny for me to say that considering the first season had um, one of the doctor wives throw another doctor wife, what, like in a pool or something, right? So I say that, but at the same time, it's like these people have a lot more writing on the line than your average housewife. And that's why I love Married to Medicine. Um, so I just really enjoyed Sundays. I was very excited to have our Houses of Atlanta back. Um, I was annoyed that they didn't have an episode last week, but I'm happy that that's back. I'm happy we got the mid-season trailer. It's It was a good Sunday. And honestly, recapping the shows on Sunday is interesting to me because, you know, we're, we're houses of Beverly Hills. I have to, like, go into the nuances of why these people are so fucking problematic. I like watching Rehouses of Atlanta and Married to Medicine because there's still problematic shit that happens, but it's not something that needs to be like dissected to the way that somebody, some people like in Beverly Hills have to be, you know, in Rehouses of Atlanta, they're, they're problematic for like regular stuff, like, like Marlo just being awful to people or Heavenly just being like the biggest misogynist, you know, stuff like that. But it's more, um, it's more entertaining to me to watch these shows and it's a little bit lighter um, as a podcast content creator to watch these shows. It, they're just so funny. 
that I actually just thoroughly in love. I, I thoroughly enjoy. I was going to say enjoy and love, and then it said in love. I am thoroughly in love with the Sunday lineup when it's Married to Medicine and Real Houses of Atlanta. So let's talk about Atlanta first, okay? Um, we open up this episode with general parenting across the Atlanta ladies, you know, from taking kids to school to doing their kids' hair to being on their daughter's sex podcast to talk about sex positions, <laughs> just general parenting, you know? Sheree is on her daughter Tiara's podcast discussing the waterfall sex position and I just want to say, just like listening to this description of that alone made my joints hurt. I was like, ooh, pass me the Bengay. That sounds tiring. <laughs> that sounds achy. Yikes. Um, while they're doing the sex podcast, Tiara gets some sort of a breaking news update from the blogs. And the blogs are saying that Sheree is the person that almost got her boyfriend sent back to jail. And so we find out that Sheree... Uh, from Sheree that Tyrone apparently is selling pictures and news stories to the blogs for money because he's broke. And it's just like, you know, I guess Sheree is now past the point where she was a couple of episodes ago where she was like, I don't know if I can quit him just yet, you know? But I think now she's like, fuck you, dude. You're broke, bitch. Like, I don't care about you. I can do better. And I have to say, like, I... It makes me sad because I don't understand why Shuri doesn't value herself. But at the same time, I do understand because, unfortunately, we have met Bob Whitfield. And we know that women in abusive relationships or in long-term abusive relationships, I mean, even if it's a short-term one, when you're abused in general, if it's a relationship, if it's your like a significant other or if it's your parent or it's even your sibling – any type of abuse, whether it's obviously when it's physical, it's really bad. And we know that Cherie's been through that. Um, and when it's emotional and verbal, it also has a major impact and it really impacts your self-worth. And I can see that Cherie is, you know, going for the low-hanging fruit because she doesn't value herself. And it makes me really sad because she's amazing and she's really fucking hot. Like she could literally have it. The woman is so, I think it was Kendrick. He was on this podcast a couple of weeks ago and he was like, he is, she is so gorgeous. It's like unfair. <laughs> and it's like crazy that she doesn't see that, you know? Uh, anyway, um, then we see Marlo at home with the nephews and she says that ever since they had that very traumatic phone call with their mother, that things have just been a mess. The boys are not listening and the kids are saying like, you know, they're just not doing their part. And um, she asks them if they want to go to therapy and they say no. So she's like, all right, well, listen, if you don't want to go to therapy, that's one thing. But like, I just don't want to get calls from school that you're not doing what you're supposed to do. I'm here to make you accountable. I just want you to know, like, I love you. I care about you. But like, you guys really need to get it together. And apparently at this scene, there's already a hole punched in the wall, which she later talks about. But the boys have just been acting up. And knowing that she kicks them out later was this was a very difficult scene for me to watch it just made me really i'll get into it i'll get into marlo as a monty then we see sonia visiting kenya at home and they talk about sonia's home setup with her parents and her sister and all of that and sonia's talking about how awkward it is to have sex in the same house as her parents and listen 
I often try not to think about the fact that I've made two babies <laughs> in the same house as my in-laws, you know, and I continue to practice how to make babies in the same house as my in-laws. But this is just – no, it's not like they don't know, okay? It's fine. Anyway, they get a call from Candy. It's whatever. And then they talk about the situation with Marlo and Kenya at Dropping It With Drew from last episode. And I don't know. I didn't learn anything new. All I, all I learned was that Kenya and Sonia are chatting it up and Sonia is collecting information to later on carry to her next scene, which is going to be with Marlo. Um, and I do think that Sonia at this point is full on Team Kenya. Then Sheree is at home with her friend, Fatum, and we've met Fatum in the past. Fatum is from Djibouti, and they are talking about the Tyrone situation, and this was super duper sad. Like, Sheree had a full breakdown. I don't know if we've ever seen Sheree this emotional. I mean, if you think about the Sheree that we met in, like, the first two seasons of Atlanta, right, or, like, even the first, like, whatever, three seasons of Atlanta. Sheree was always a very closed off person. She was very stoic. The The thing about Sheree was always that she was like really stoic and really like flat and very uh, like stern and short. And then when she would pop off, it would be hilarious because she would do things like who gone check me boo. And she would raise her voice and, you know, get into your face, but like not necessarily lose her cool Watching Sheree have this full breakdown and like crying so hard and having to walk away from cameras and filming us and go into a room and wipe her face. I mean, it was actually really, really sad. And um, Fatuma is a great friend to her and she's being very supportive and very loving and it's sad, but it is what it is. Then we see Drew going to get her nails done with her mom and Drew tells her mom about Ralph's book. Like, okay, oh, Jesus Christ. Drew is so frustrating. So... Drew, Drew goes to this nail appointment with her mother and she tells her mom about the book that Ralph got a, uh, an offer to, or Jesus, what am I saying? Ralph got a book deal to write a book about step parenting and blended families. And she didn't know, one, she didn't know that he was writing a book. And two, she only found out about this because the assistant that was hired and fired that was offering massages was the woman that was helping him write a book and is the woman who got him the book deal. So it's like, this is so crazy that we found this out this way, right? That like Drew, it was one thing that Drew didn't know about some assistant that Ralph had. She didn't know what she looked like. She didn't know anything about her. She didn't know this woman's name. All she knew was that she was sending her husband weird text messages and her husband was flirting back in texts, right? That's all we know about this woman. And we also know that he's writing a book. But the fact is that like Drew found out only what her relationship was with Ralph after the fact, after she had to, after he had to fire her. And then that's when she found out that he's writing a book about step parenting. I call fucking bullshit on that. Okay. Drew, you're an idiot if you think that Ralph got a book deal about step parenting and blended families. Okay. Bullshit. You also find out that apparently he hasn't adopted Josiah yet, which is, I guess, I don't know if this is going to come into play later, but like he's writing a book about step parenting and being the best stepdad and all this stuff. And Josiah wants Drew, uh, Ralph to 
um, I just did something that happens later on in the episode that makes Drew very upset where I call Ralph Drew by accident. Anyway, it's something that Ralph just doesn't want to do, even though Josiah wants Ralph to do it. I don't know. I just, I call bullshit on the whole thing. None of it is, it's all so phony. It's so phony. Then the mom shares, we met one of, sort of, we we sort of met one of the prophets <laughs> that Drew had in the last season. And now apparently there's a new one. We got a female prophet this time. The mom's like, there's a new prophet. And she said, she sent a WhatsApp voice note. I'm going to play it for you. So we hear this voice note that this woman sent. <laughs> and it just makes me laugh because like every culture has got it, you know, like my mom sends me like 47 minute long lectures from like different Islamic like preachers and, you know, scholars and stuff on WhatsApp. And I'm like, I'm not listening to this delete. <laughs> You're clogging up my phone with all this nonsense. But anyway, we listen to this voice note. And the voice note says that uh, the Lord wants her mother to do a prayer over her, uh, her as in over Drew and her family, because Drew has an adversary who is a woman, but could be a man in the spirit of a woman. So Drew doesn't know who it could be, but the call is coming from inside the house, Drew. Okay. The adversary is you and your husband. The bad spirits around you are yourself and your husband. You guys shouldn't be with each other, okay? You're both the problem here. But Drew, of course, is pinning it on everybody else. She thinks it could be the assistant. She could be any. She thinks it could be anyone. She thinks it's Sonia because Sonia said at Drop It With Drew, we're trying to figure out how busy you guys really are, as in are you guys scammers or not? And I have to say, Drew, listen, Sonia is not your friend and that's fine. She, but she also isn't your adversary. Okay. If the spirit could be a woman or a man, I mean, it could just be the husband that you have and you, the woman who are a dysfunctional mess. It just could be you guys. Okay. But what do I know? I'm not a prophet. <sighs> Anyway, Marlo um, is now out uh, doing custom furniture shopping for her new house that is in construction, and Sheree and Sonia meet her there. And Sheree tells us that she spent over $40,000 on one room in her house. And I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but that makes sense. I know like big-ass houses like that, you have to spend that kind of money to decorate big-ass houses. And that's why I don't have a big-ass house. Because I can't afford a big-ass house, but also because I can't afford to furnish a big ass house um sheree tells the girls about the pj sleepover pj party sleepover that she's planning and marlo right away is like ready to pounce on the fact that kenya better not try her or she'll fuck her up but like okay marlo i don't even know why you're mad at kenya what are you mad at you're mad at kenya about what because she was she was sick and obviously production told her, bitch, you cannot go and film. I know you're ready to go film, but you have to go and get tested first. Like, is that what you're mad at? I'm so confused. But of course, Marlo is all into it. She uses the moment to talk about Kenya to drag her. She says, I don't know if she's taking, Kenya's taking pills to lose weight, but I don't know why she reacted that way and got in my face. Because you have been talking shit about her this whole time and you lose your shit, Marlo. Like, look at yourself in the mirror, my God. 
Anyway, Sonia tells the girls, because she just met with Kenya, which was the purpose of the last scene with Kenya and Sonia, that uh, Sonia just thinks that Kenya doesn't want her to go so low the way that Marlo does, which is Marlo's thing. She's awful. She goes the lowest. She goes to the gutter. And Marlo says that um, essentially she's incapable of that. Okay, I can't I can make you no promises because I'm classless. <laughs> then she tells the girls that she's mad at the boys because and because it was like they had a bad day and she had a bad day. There was a whole laundry situation. She took the boys to the laundromat, which I think is crazy because she also has like does her townhouse not have a washer dryer? I'm confused why the boys went to the laundromat, first of all. But the boys went to the laundromat. They didn't put away their clothes. Their clothes smelled bad. There was shit everywhere. Her stuff was in their room. There's a hole that was punched in the wall. And that she got so sick of it, she kicked the boys out and moved them into her sister's house. And Marlo tells us, the sister is a mother of four toddler boys, so she thinks that she can handle them. What? (laughs) You sent... A mother of four toddler boys, two teenagers to handle on top of that? She's like, well, she has four kids, so she already knows. She she could probably do better with the boys. What? That's crazy. That's crazy. It's like a person drowning. And then you're like, here, instead of like helping you not drown, let me hand you two teenage boys instead of a buoy, you know? Anyway, Marlo says that she wants the boys to be better and thinks that because she's given the boys everything that she didn't have, that they should be grateful and better. And this is like, this is the thing that's fucking me up about this whole thing. First of all, this whole situation is terrible. But Marlo is still treating being their Monty and and wanting them to do better than her through like a conditional relationship. You're like, this is a conditional relationship and that never works out. Like Marlo, these kids are not going to just listen to you because they have a bunch of fancy things. I mean, this is sort of also the problem with like, I get the intention behind her charity that like these foster girls, she takes them out, she gives them a fancy meal and she gets them to be beautiful and all that stuff and they're worth things. But at the same time, like material things are not the things that build people up. You know, material things are not the p- things that make people do better. Look, there are rich kids who also don't put away their fucking laundry, okay? It happens. It's like it's not – putting away your laundry isn't the thing that makes you a bad person. And so for her to kick these kids out, it just blew my mind. And she, her saying like, oh, I want to take a break from the boys for 30 days. Everybody's like, yeah, you're you're allowed to take a break. I mean, Sheree does say, I wish I could have taken a break from my kids, but like that's not an option. That you don't get that option in the world, right? Like when you're a real mom, sorry, I shouldn't say that. That's fucked up. I retract. When you are a mother of your own children and you are their sole caretaker, you cannot just kick them out for 30 days. Like she's saying she wants them to be better boys and she cares for them and she don't doesn't want them getting going down the wrong path. How do you think they're going to feel when they're out on, like, they've just been removed from the home that they've had for the last three years? That's not going to make them want to do better. That's going to make them think that they're not worth it. They're not worth better. And so this whole idea that Marlo has of, like, people in foster care, kids in foster care should be given the nicest of everything and they should have material things and they should get to be treated and wined and dined. Like, that's ultimately not the thing that builds up kids' self-esteem, okay? 
okay? And you you can't build up a person's low self-esteem by just giving them nice things. And she can't do that with her nephews and think that now that we're I gave you something nice, the condition is that you're going to be good to me and you're going to do your part in the house and you're not going to be a upset teenager whose mother is in prison who had an extremely traumatic moment with you on the phone. Like I they need like a real therapist. They need something. And it just, I don't know, the whole thing is a mess. And then later on, Marlo continues to make me upset the way she keeps bringing the story up. Um, Sheree's PJ party's happening. Everyone is arriving in their nudes and colors of melanin. Um, Fatoum brings Bahur, which we saw in rehearsals of Dubai. And she's like, oh, I'm going to, it's, she keeps calling it coochie incense. It's incense between, it's, I'll get to it. It's a smoke bath, guys. It's not that weird. Anyway, but Fatoum is a mess, okay? Her lipstick is bordering on Dorinda in Cartagena and the previews that I've seen of Catherine in Southern Charm, okay? The lipstick is looking crazy, okay? Fatoum, you look bananas, but you're a disaster. She brings this tea up about Drew, and apparently someone she knows ran a background check about Ralph, and he has a bunch of aliases. They all have a bunch of aliases, and one of them is a female, well, there you have it. There it is. A man with a female spirit. It's your husband who has a female alias, Drew. They wonder why Ralph would have an alias. And one of them is that he's a cheater. And the other one is that he's broke. And I say, you know what? All of it seems pretty plausible. Um, Drew arrives in the same Shein outfit as Sheree. And they all squeal about it. And they're painting live models in sexy clothes who are twerking and spanking while they're painting their dicks are out, their vaginas are out, butts are out, people are rubbing on each other. It's a very married to medicine toy party from a couple of seasons ago, if you know what I'm talking about. Now, the internet is like talking about how how could people get mad about Candy's vibrating panties when and like her sex dungeon person coming to deliver invitations when you have all this. This is in the privacy of somebody's home in a basement. It's very different. And I'll get to the sex panties later. Okay, it's, it's insane. Lisa Wu from season one joins the party, which is cute uh, for now. Um, I want to note Marlo's outfit that she came in was like creased. It looked like she had just taken it out of the Shein packaging that like just delivered to her house that day. Like, girl, run it through, run a steamer on it. Okay, you look like a disaster. <sighs> Drew and Sonia are talking. Um, and Sonia's trying to clarify this thing. Like Drew brings up this thing about the comment that Sonia made to Ralph about, we don't know how busy you are basically asking like, are you guys scammers or not? I don't know. I don't even care. It was just a stupid conversation, but Sonia tries to clarify, but Drew's just being annoying. So she walks away. Okay. Um, Marla goes to the bathroom and she and Candy have a little conversation about how the boys got kicked out and it's really hard what she's going through. And I don't know, that whole conversation, it felt like to me that she is using what she's going through with her kids as sympathy for why she pops off and does and says terrible things to Candy and terrible things to Kenya. And like, that's not excusable. You can't use that as a reason for why you keep being a piece of shit to your friends or your coworkers, okay? She even says it. She's like, you know, I was so frustrated with Kenya, with all this stuff going on. There's nothing going on with Kenya, Marlo. You stirred up drama with Kenya. Kenya didn't do anything to you. She literally did nothing to you. 
All she said was, Candy's not fucking with you right now. And you lost your shit. Like, it's not that serious. <sighs> anyway, um, the party's happening and Kenya is drunk, which I love. Okay. It, she's she's doing great. I love I love drink, drunk Kenya. I think I wrote drunk, I love drunk Kenya in my notes like 10 times. But she introduces this game. She's so drunk. She can barely keep her eyes open. She says, we're all going to say something nice. And then when you say it, we're all going to say, yes, queen. She's just so thrilled. <laughs> I, love, I love watching her like this. And everyone's doing their supportive little things. And then it comes around to Drew and she gets a no queen because she's an idiot. She's so stupid. And they're like, we're going to skip you for now. We'll come back to you later. And then they all go around again. They get back to Drew and she basically starts saying the same damn thing over again, which is, well, I mostly get along with everyone. And Kenya's like, no, bitch, you need to start over. And then Drew says, well, Marlo said she loves everyone. So Marlo, do you really love everyone? And Marlo's like, yeah, I do. I even love my enemies. Uh, or no, Marlo says, yeah, I do. And then she says, do you, Marlo asks Drew, do you love Sonia even though you guys argue all the time? And Drew hesitates and says, yeah, I love everybody, even my enemies. And then Lisa Wu, who is schmammered, she starts going on and on about something about if you're waiting for an apology, it won't come because you'll be the victim and you'll be in bondage, which you know what is not a lie, right? Like that's, that's accurate. It's just that she's really going on and on. And apparently while Lisa is talking, Sonia says something and then Lisa will yells at her. And it's it's very random, but it became very clear that the environment is now going from yes queen to yikes queen because everybody is perhaps libated too much. Okay, the libations were flowing and we have libated beyond a, a certain level. But anyway, it comes back around to Drew again. And Drew basically says that she's feeling angry about being here with Fatum because Fatum spoke about her husband at Kenya's daughter's birthday party. And we all know Fatum was only speaking about what she heard from the assistant earlier about Ralph possibly being gay. And then Kenya's like, well, let's be honest, Fatum, let's talk about the background check. <laughs> And she airs out all the stuff that they found out about Ralph having aliases and all that. And Drew's basically like, Fatum, are you a stalker? What the hell is wrong with you? And then, like, it's great because Kenya is talking about the aliases. And while Fatum is, like, telling her about what she found, Drew is fully disengaged. She's fully disengaged. And it was kind of hilarious. Like, I can see why everybody, why Drew is, like, such a cloying person. Like, she's so annoying. She's just so irritating but i i did i did find it hilarious that she was not engaging with this like crazy lady who's going on and on about some alias that she, they found also she's not engaging because drew knows that that shit's true come on you think drew doesn't know that she's a she's a fucking scam artist that she's married to a scam artist come on anyway drew somehow shifts the energy to Sheree, and then she's like basically telling Sheree that she needs to get Fatuma under control because Fatuma is stalking Drew. <laughs> and then Fatuma is like, yeah, and I'll keep digging if you try me, which is great. I just love that everybody's like drunk and nobody cares. Everyone's just laughing. Who gives a shit, Drew? None of the, this is the, the best thing about Real Houses of Atlanta. Drew and Marlo are both so stupid that they just laugh at them and they just move on, you know? And I wish that people 
would do that more on shows. I wish that Beverly Hills would do that. You know what I mean? Like they don't laugh enough at each other. Everybody is just too sensitive over there. Um. Anyway, everyone loves Drunk Kenya. And like I said, so do I. I love it. She's lobster chomp and she's rolling on the floor. She's making jokes about her own bad wig. It's wonderful. And then they start the Bahur in the vagina, a.k.a. the coochie incense. And I know that in, in the Middle East, it's called Bahur. In Sudan, I think it's called Dukan. And these are smoke baths. This is very common in the Middle East. It's common in Africa. It's common in Asia. Like it's a very common practice where you'll do the incest and you literally sit down on like a little stool. And then there's like a, you almost get draped around with like a, a sheet or a blanket and you get engulfed not with, with your head out and your body is covered in this like smoke and it's incense and it's supposed to be like a cleansing ritual and it's done before weddings in Africa and it's done before weddings in the Middle East. And we saw Sarah Elmadani and Nina doing it in, in um, Dubai this last last week's episode. It's a common practice. Bajurov, of course, calls it witchcraft and black magic. OK, this is a girl who says she's on her what? What? Third prophet. OK, how many prophets do you have? And she's the one who thinks that having more kids is better for your marriage. Fuck you, Drew. Get the fuck out of here. Okay. Kenya, again, is just prancing. She's looking <laughs> right into the cameras and saying she is the moment. She's having a great time. And, of course, Marlo has to use that moment to say, no, you're not the moment. To Mark, you're not the moment. Not to your baby daddy. You're not the moment. And and here's, again, this is like just like the girls shouted no queen to Drew when Marlo goes that down low, everybody's like, oh, Marlo, shut. Like, no, don't say that. That's what I love because they all know how they all know who they're dealing with. You know, like they know that Marlo's going to say something down in the gutter. They knew, know that Drew's going to be delusional. That's that's what I like about this cast. Um, Marlo tells the girls in a group huddle that she's going through a lot. And she brings up the boys again. And then she says that she wants to take the girls on a road trip to Blue Ridge Mountain. And Kenya's laughing because she's drunk. And also, like, to get invited to a road trip, who wants to be invited on a road trip? Don't tell me that you're taking me on a road trip. Tell me that you're taking me to Blue Ridge Mountain, okay? That's that's what you need to tell me is, like, we're going to Blue Ridge Mountain and we're going to have some nice accommodations. No one's going to get enticed by the road trip, okay? We're going to stop at a gas station and get cheesy puff balls like the gigantic container. What are we doing here, Marlo? But of course, Kenya's laughing about it. And then Marlo <laughs> tries to throw a drink at Kenya. I don't know what Marlo's problem is with Kenya. I really don't. And I know that I am a biased Kenya lover. So maybe I'm being too uh, too nice about it. <laughs> too nice to Kenya and maybe I'm being too mad at Marlo, but I don't know. I just don't know what the problem is. Ugh. Anyway, let's talk about Mary to Madison. Okay. Um, we open up on the ladies. This is a premiere of the, the latest season. We open up on all the ladies doing what they do. Jackie's at work. Heavenly is screaming about something or another. Anila's mom is visiting her and doing too much. I can't stand that woman. Jackie and Simone are in the car and they're talking about how exciting it is for them to be busy. They're booked and busy because everybody is looking for black OBGYNs. And that is amazing. That is amazing. Honestly, it is. I know for myself, 
there is a level of comfort that I feel when I go to a doctor who is a woman of color. There is, especially when it's a black woman, because I can talk to her about all of the things that I feel like I might be, um, I might be scared of, right? Like there's so many things that I feel like I can't get any insight on if I go to a white doctor, or even if I sometimes go to like, a you know, a female South Asian doctor who maybe um, is older than me or somebody who is from India or Pakistan and hasn't grown up here. There is this like, this feeling you get when you go to a female black doctor where you can talk to them about like, hey, I feel like I had this X, Y, and Z experience and it gave me anxiety and I don't know if I'm crazy for it, if I don't know if I'm overthinking it. And there is this great sense you feel with black female physicians who are like, you know what? You're not crazy for that. We're going to we're gonna honor whatever you're feeling right now. And I've had that experience with multiple um, black female doctors. So good for Jackie and good for Simone. We get a flashback of how Jackie and Simone's relationship had been on the rocks and they're both in a better place now and they're in a better place because they both drop their egos and their petty shit and I'm happy for them. They pull into Jackie's driveway where Cecil and Curtis are doing carny corny car stuff, okay? I said carny core stuff, which makes no sense, but it is silly to think about them doing carny stuff. <laughs> Cecil and Curtis. Just like... <laughs> Just, like, set up a, t- a circus tent and, like, you know, throw the knives on the balloons games <laughs> in, like, Jackie's beautiful driveway. Anyway, they're doing corny car stuff. And the girls come and they make fun of them. And then the men go to get wings, which is apparently casual code for titty bars. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Next time my husband goes to get wings, I'm going to be asking questions. Next Jackie and Simone are talking and Jackie tells Simone about the O shot, which is basically PRP for your cooter biscuit. Okay. It's plasma rich therapy for your vagina. You learn something new every single day on Bravo. Okay. Who says it's not educational? Heavenly is at home with a Laura who is stunning. Like I cannot believe that's Alora. She's gorgeous and she's a full person and it's crazy. Heavenly has opened up a beauty supply store and Alora is running the show. She is killing it. She's just so cute and confident. Like I just, I love her so much. I've always loved that child. She's like one of the best kids on Bravo, Alora. So I'm just happy to see how well she's doing as she grows up. Um, Quad visits Heavenly and um, they're talking and apparently – Quad and Heavenly um, are discussing the fact that Contessa is on the outs with Heavenly. And that's confusing because Heavenly says that she and Contessa used to talk the most. They were the closest. And Heavenly says that she has no idea why this could have happened because she's been so careful and cautious about Scott and Contessa. And of course, the editors, knowing how Heavenly is, give us a clip of Heavenly's YouTube channel where she says that Scott is abusive. But Heavenly has no idea. Okay, she's completely thrown off about why Contessa wouldn't call her. (laughs) Heavenly is the least self-aware human being. Like, she is as unaware as, like, somebody like Luann or somebody like Ramona except she's unaware in other ways. 
Um, and she really thinks that she does no wrong, but Heavenly is such a problematic person. We learn that Quad has bought a new house all her own, all on her own, which is very exciting because she's not interested in taking a dollar from a man because she doesn't want a man to think that he's in control over her or has any authority over her. And I said, yay, good for you, Quad. But Heavenly in true misogynist fashion says, well, if I had your body, I'd take a dollar and I'd be popping that pee everywhere. Okay, Heavenly. Contessa is working out with her trainer, and after she works out, the man asks her to wear heels in a bathing suit, and it was very confusing, and everybody was confused. Her kids were confused. Her kids pull up with her husband in the driveway, and everybody's confused. Nobody knows what's happening. But of course, Contessa is on the Tamara and Teresa track, and she is doing a fitness competition. So this is her storyline for this season. It is a fitness competition. We get a follow-up on the divorce filing from the reunion uh, between Scott and Contessa. And it turns out it was scrapped because Scott agreed to go to therapy. And Contessa is now doing this fitness competition because she used to be a pageant girl before she enlisted in the army. I'm not going to lie. Contessa is a woman of many talents. She's a very interesting person. And it's kind of crazy that we just... Like, I don't know. It's kind of annoying that, like, Contessa is actually a full-baked person. She has so many things going with her. Like, she went away and got a second degree. She – what, did she get a PhD or something, right? Like, she's so unbelievably smart and she's so talented and she's so driven and she's so ambitious. And, like, all we really know about her a lot is – a lot of the focus ends up being that she's just like in this extremely shitty marriage. So I don't know. I just hope that we learn more about Contessa, but she also is like such a smart person, but does such a dumb thing later on in the episode. I'll get to it. Um, Quad is at home and there is a cute, such a cute little six-year-old boy in the house. And I love him. I love him. Okay. His name is Mason and he is her nephew and goodness, he is adorable. Quad is also munting it up over here, and Quad's mom, Mary, is there, and in order to take care of all these people, she has upgraded from the bullshit-ass apartment. Who called it a bullshit-ass apartment last year? Was it Heavenly or was it Toya? I don't know. <laughs> but she's in a 14,000-square-foot home, honey. She looks good. She's looking good. The house is beautiful. I'm very happy for Quad. Um, but Mason's living with her because her because Mason's father, who was Quad's brother, passed away unexpectedly last year. This whole scene where Mason says he can't focus at school because he's thinking about his dad. Oh my God. We all had to cry. Mason had to cry. Quad had to cry. Grandma Mary is crying. I'm crying. We're all crying. Okay. It was really moving and sad to see that scene. And he's just such a sweet little boy. Um, And then Quad says she's going to teach Mason how to tie his shoes because she's tired of tying his shoes. And I thought to myself, hey, Quad, if you could teach the six-year-old to tie his shoes, can you just drive up to New Jersey? I'll pay you money. You could teach my sons too because I haven't figured that out yet. Um, Now we go to Anila's house. And Anila's moved into her brand new house. And she's doing a housewarming uh, party later on in the episode. And right now, before the housewarming, she's doing a new home blessing. She's doing a puja at her house. The house is 14,000 square feet. It's $2.5 million. Her husband is is full of regret with empty pockets. And he we just we get a lot of information about their housewarming puja and the importance of cows. And there's a cow that comes to the puja, which is fine. People do different things for their 
blessings and we can't knock it. But what confused me was that the cow walked through the whole house. They couldn't have this cow go through the backyard? I don't understand. Then the cow poops in the house. It was a lot. It was it was a lot. For for brown people, like we're people who don't even wear shoes in the house. So I mean, although Anila had people all over her house later on in the part in the episode and during her party, and they were all wearing shoes. And I just like I I had a lot of feelings. Um Toya and Eugene. <laughs> who used to live down the street from Anila's new house, have sold their dream house and they've moved into a McMansion rental and they're building yet another dream house. (laughs) This is Toya's storyline every single season, okay? Last season when she didn't have this storyline, she was actually just like bitter and angry and miserable But every season, her storyline is a house and moving and buying a new house and building a new house. Oh, my God. I don't understand them. But Toya says that they sold their old house because it didn't have space for a tennis court and it didn't have an elevator. (laughs) Good God, Toya. (sighs) Oh, God. Eugene comes home and he's home from work and he's upset with all the yelling. They make jokes about that. And... I don't know. I got to say, like, Toya just seems unhappy. She seems unhappy all the time, and I don't understand. But Toya tells Eugene that Anila invited her to a housewarming slash Diwali party, and the invitation was sent through her son while Anila was sitting in the car just shouting, hey, I hope you can come. And Toya is just, like, not a fan. And Eugene's like, hey, we can just go to the party and, like, have a nice time. And if we don't like it, we can just leave. It's not that serious. And, like, it does always crack me up that Toya is always, like, on 10. And Eugenia's always just trying to be like, hey, can you just, like, bring it down to 7 at least? Like, can we just stop being suspicious of people? Can we just like a person for who they are? It's okay. Like, you don't have to be their best friend. It's okay. Anyway. Anila um, has her housewarming slash Diwali party and um, everyone's getting ready. And um, Quad's at Anila's house getting ready. We're seeing everyone arriving at the party and getting dressed and all this stuff. And we see Contessa in her house getting ready for the party. And she says that she's not wearing Indian clothes because just because she's going to an Indian person's house doesn't mean she has to wear Indian clothes. And I was like, yeah, I agree, Contessa. That's a great point. You do not need to wear Indian clothes to an Indian person's party because it's unnecessary. Everybody looks beautiful, but it's just unnecessary because Indian clothes, like South Asian clothes, Pakistani clothes, it's a lot of fabric. And I'm used to wearing that stuff because I was forced to wear that shit when I was like little, right? So I've spent my whole life wearing these clothes. But to people who aren't used to carrying all this fabric, you look ridiculous and you don't know how to carry the outfit. Like, like Kari is wearing the sari. Kari is wearing the sari wrong. Heavenly's blouse is like too big for her. So it's like falling over. Like you, you didn't have to do that. Like I like the new girl that Heavenly brings to the party. Audra, the real estate agent, who's the wife of husband of uh, Dr. Martin, a dentist. I guess they're going to try to get on the show or be plus ones or friends of or something. But I like what she she wore a dress and she just threw like a nice little dupatta on top of it, like a pretty little scarf on top of it. That's all you need to do. You honestly didn't even need to do that. Okay, you should have just worn a nice dress to the housewarming party. Anyway, 
Um, there's a scene in this party episode, like this party scenes, like we're just seeing the party. Like the rest of the episode was just like party, party, party. Everyone's just like mingling and doing their thing that they do. Heavenly is like annoyed about people talking, women talking to Damon. And she always plays up this stuff about like all the women want daddy, all the women want daddy. And I like, I just think she does it to make her husband seem more desirable. Like nobody actually wants daddy Damon. Like, no one wants him. Chill out. Like, you're not the one with the hot husband that everybody's trying to get his paws into. Like, just chill out, Heavenly. It's not that serious. Um, Anila and her husband make an entrance with a canopy. And it's just the whole party is so annoying. Okay, guys, if I went to somebody's housewarming party, and I'm a South Asian person, if I went to somebody's housewarming par- party and it was this party, I would think that they're ridiculous. Now, I've been to Chandrath, which is like the night before Eid. I've been to Eid parties that are really nice and big and fancy. But nobody does an entrance with a canopy. Like, this was unnecessary. Like, the DJ was so loud. It was just like so much. It was it was too much. It was a bananas party, and it really irritated me. It just was like a lot. It's just, I just want you guys to know that this is what, this isn't what normal people do. Like normal South Asians don't do that. It's, it just seemed very flashy and unnecessary. Um, Contessa shows up. <laughs> she says she wasn't going to wear Indian clothes, but what the fuck is she wearing? She, I mean, Anila's not wrong. She went to Party City and put on this like Egyptian costume. What in the Cleopatra, what the fuck was that? It was the weirdest fucking outfit I have seen. I haven't seen something this absurd since Monique wearing a Native American costume to Karen's house. Toya, who lives down the street, comes two hours late, which is uh, a a very Toya thing to do. If if I say so myself, if I say so myself, that doesn't make sense. It's a very Toya thing to do if you've watched the show. Toya would do something like this. And if somebody else did this to Toya, she would burn them to the ground. She would make it her storyline for the rest of the season that they came two hours late to her housewarming party, okay? Um, Anila gives us a tour of her house, and it turns out that the entire house is furnished by influencer gifts. Like, she got about $500,000 worth of furniture gifted to her as an influencer. It makes me upset because um, nobody is offering to gift me any furniture <laughs> for my house. And I'm a podcaster. Like, what's up with that? I don't understand how she did that. That's crazy. Good for her. I'm very jealous. Good for her. I guess if you're already spending $2.5 million, so it does make me wonder, like, why do you need all that free stuff? <laughs> but whatever. Um, Contessa and Quad talk about their issues with Heavenly because Contessa is completely ignoring Heavenly and they all talk about the fact that Heavenly's biggest issue with everyone is her YouTube channel and the YouTube channel is basically, um, going to be the big beef this season, you know, that we get a preview of what's to come at the end of this episode and it's Heavenly and her YouTube. Okay. It leads to a some sort of an intervention. I'm very excited for that because Mary to Madison loves a group scene. They love a therapy scene. They love an intervention. I live for when they do that stuff. But it was another like hilarious moment where Quad was saying something like, Heavenly thinks that the YouTube channel is her own world, but Heavenly needs to know we're all in one world. 
the two there's no two worlds I, just, I love the way quad talks about everything she's the best oh, i love this show um i thought i wasn't gonna have a lot to talk about but here i am like 45 minutes in um i hope you guys enjoyed this episode i am not sure if I'm going to get time to watch and talk about Beverly Hills or Dubai this week. I might just do Instagram stories. So follow me on Instagram at the reality is pod. I might just do that because um, I'm traveling. So if you want to see that, I'll just be on my Instagram probably on, I don't know, Friday um, to talk about uh, the shit that we watched on Wednesday night. Um, and uh, and that'll be that. And then I will be instead on Saturday releasing an episode from the Patreon from a couple of months ago. And it was when Tom Hamlet hopped on the podcast to talk about um, a um, old a throwback Atlanta episode. So look out for that on Saturday. And um, thank you for listening so much. I appreciate you. Talk to you next time. Bye. The reality is is now on Patreon, and here are some of our fabulous supporters. Chastity Davis. Don't be fooled by my name. The only thing I abstain from is your bullshit. Jessica Riley. Where I come from, money can buy you anything, but I'll take the garbage plate. Seiran Hayati. In Sweden, we have ABBA, IKEA, and if you mess with me, some other four-letter words. Kelly Payfer. I may be from Down Under, but don't ever underestimate me. Richie D. If you can't be cool, you can't be with Caduce. Megan Shaw. I may be a model but I'll never be your model minority. Becca Simon. It gets icy where I'm from, so you know I'll bring the heat. Jill Hirsch. Your petty drama can't take this warrior down. Jamie Allrunner. Where I come from, we're known for our great lakes, but I'm just known for my great ass. Sarah Gibbs. You may not like the cut of my jib, but that's what you get from Sarah Gibbs. Maria M. Where I'm from, they sing God Save the Queen, so I guess you can call me a god. Jill Walsh. I made it up this hill myself, and I'll kick any jack off. Jesse Willis. I may not run in traffic, but I'll give you a run for your money. Eleanor Manning. I run with a fabulous circle of people, and they're not even on my payroll. John Friedman. Diamonds aren't a girl's best friend. John Friedman is. Sarah Watkins Bilstein. Playtime is over. This mama means business. Laura Zielinski. Whether it's breast pumping or fist pumping, this Jersey girl brings the party. Amanda Agosti. Everything is bigger in Texas and my heart is no exception. Tracy Masters. When you're the master of your own destiny, no one can ever take you down. Marl Farsi. Reading is fundamental and in Farsi, the reads are monumental. Tracy Newman. My presence is a gift, so remember the thank you note. Lola Del Rio. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets and I get it all. Ade Adidoko. It may look like I'm stirring the pot, but I'm actually just smoking. Deepa Canapoli. Some people say I have secrets, but at least they're not federal indictments. Jada. People are intimidated by my great success and my great ass. Naveen Jonathan. I'll give you the shirt off my back and also my unsolicited opinion. Hadil Ibrahim. Some things are too hot to handle, like me and the tea I spill. Trinity Supermania. I have four degrees and eight syllables and zero fucks to give. Beth Bayer. The secret to my success is staying out of your BS. Shannon Anthony. There's no fun in moderation, but there's plenty of shame. Rita Ryan. Don't be fooled by my Midwest charm, because I'm nobody's fool. Brianna Tony. Some people strive for perfection, but I'm already there. And lastly, Tanisha. While others are turning tables, I'm dancing on them.